You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Christine Mulkey, our editor-at-large, talks to Amanda Chantal Bacon, the founder and owner of Moon Juice, the fanatically popular spot in Venice Beach, California, where you can find tonics and juices and herbal powder blends and butters and treats and all that good stuff. And then after that, I sit down with food director Carl Lolly Music and BA senior designer Elena Sullivan to talk about uh, two of our favorite healthy-ish drinks right now, moon milk and homemade masala chai. All right, let's do this. Here is Christine and Amanda. Hi, welcome. We're here with Amanda Chantal Bacon, who is actually glowing. I have to say, it's all that moon juice and smells really, really good. That's what you need to know first. So, Amanda, tell us about your journey toward this this company. It's a really interesting origin story, and I think people also be interested in your background in restaurants, mm-hmm. which isn't always typically known. No, no, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a, an odd path. All makes sense now in hindsight, right? I had health issues from a young age, so they were most present as respiratory issues, not being able to breathe, having trouble sleeping at night, terrible cough, things like that. So as a four-year-old, when you're just trying to run around and sleep and play, life was lived through that compromised version. That's what I knew. That was my life experience. Um, And I tried lots of Western medicine. There was lots of antibiotics, all of that. Nothing helped. Things were getting worse. And by some grace, um, there was an Ayurvedic doctor who happened to be visiting from India Hmm. and saw me in a health food store. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And heard the hack and, you know, like saw saw the sick kiddo, came over, gave me pulse diagnosis on the spot, really without asking me, had me stick out my tongue, um, found my mom and said, these are my simple recommendations, which were pretty radical at the time, but we could boil it down to no sugar, hmm. refined sugar, um, or at the time it was really just white sugar, um, and no cow's milk and no wheat. Wow. Which right now just sounds so normal. Um, but in the early 80s in Manhattan, it was like, well, then what would you <laughs> eat? <laughs> Um, So within, you know, 72 hours or something, I was radically healed. Wow. And um, that was the beginning of really awakening to health and vitality and what that felt like to live in a body that was actually thriving. Hmm. So I lived the rest of my life or have lived the rest of my life really with that filter, hmm. knowing um, there are certain things that will attack my body and how can I make life delicious and pleasurable and all of that mm-hmm. um, while not poisoning myself. <laughs> and what are some of the exceptions that you have made over the years? You say, you know what, if it's if it's X, I'm just going to eat it and deal with the consequences. I love ice cream. Ah. I love ice cream. <laughs> I love pizza. I love mm. pasta. Right. So there are certain places on earth where I'm like, I just, I don't care. And I actually think, you know, that's one of the, um, it's one of the intentions of the book is really putting together a lot of the um, fundamental information 
of why certain things behave in certain ways in your body. Because when you truly learn that and you know that, you have the confidence to go out and enjoy things in a way that, you know, I didn't have the confidence before I had these tools. So Mm. it was just like, oh, no, I just can't have any of these things ever because I'm going to go off the rails and my whole life is going to fall apart and I don't quite know how to get back. Now it's like... I keep myself healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what I want, where to get it, and just when I'm going to have it. And I know most likely how I'll feel the next morning. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't scare me because I know how to rein it back in by noon. Right, right. And then you go to Italy and all bets are off. But um, So then you ended up as a cook. In Los Angeles. I did, yeah. So how did you how did you balance working at Luke, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a BA favorite restaurant and definitely uh, Sunday Suppers at Luke is still on everybody's cookbook shelf here at Bon Appetit. I got to live Sunday Suppers. Oh, uh, really? Oh, my gosh. That was my life. Just I made was... the short ribs last weekend. So what are your favorite dishes from that period? Oh, <laughs> so many. But you know what? I really, um, and when people think Suzanne, I think they think short rib and horseradish creme fraiche mm-hmm. and all of that was lovely. But I think of salads when I think of Suzanne. Um, and I think of all of her, I think her poetry was really in the way that she would train someone to cut a tomato. Which is how? Suzanne has all of these really <laughs> genius and simple technical tips that have changed my life. It's like the way you cut a tomato on a certain angle and like the way you can flip it on the board so that you have the least amount of waste, Hmm. Um, the way that shape is going to feel in your mouth, Um, the way to season something so that it really sings. Um, So the tomato salad in the summer is one of my favorite things um, she would do. And the other one is probably her fall fruit salad. Mm. It's just so beautiful. Is it the one with persimmon and persimmon and fig and um, grapes, and depending on what was at the market, you know, sometimes pears. Pears would come in. Um, apples would come in from Windrose Farms. I mean, you know, and really, each one was such poetry. And mm-hmm. I think she really allowed space for that and encouraged that in the kitchen. As long as you, I mean, we had to like bust it out and get it done <laughs> when you were going to get screamed at. <laughs> but there was such space held for the poetry on each plate. That's beautiful. So how was it working in a kitchen at that level and not eating wheat, dairy, or refined sugar? Oh, I ate a lot of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then there was kind of of a breaking point for you. So tell us a little bit about that. Mm, So I was eating, um, I was drinking a lot of wine. I was drinking a lot of coffee. I was eating a lot of white sugar. Um, I was eating a lot of wheat. There was really good bread every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's all sounding so good. Um, It was great. And then it really began to catch up with my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I became super stressed out. And, you know, we think of our personalities um, in this very intellectual way. Mm -hmm. But one of the surprising things that I experience and I watch other people experience is you think you're going to change your diet a little bit. 
and, you know, maybe lose five pounds and like something glowy will happen with your skin. (laughs) And um, yeah, sure, that will happen. But the most impressive thing that happens is your personality starts to change. Mm. That forced me to really do something radical, go back to what I know I should avoid. And trying to do that in the most delicious place on earth (laughs) where like technically it's your job to taste everything. Right was really challenging. So I got radical and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm just committing. I'm going to do like 21 days of um, green juice. Wow. While you were working in a kitchen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How was day two? That's always the hardest for me. I was also expediting the line. (laughs) (laughs) I was like on saute and the expediter where your brain really has to be functioning on a super high level. Um, And I was detoxing, like, wine, coffee, meat, sugar. Wow. Yeah. This is a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Detoxing on the line. And having to taste everything. And so I would taste things, and then I would spit them out. Oh, my gosh. It was really crazy. So how did you also end up working at the Los Angeles Times in the food section? So I'd been working in the— kitchen. And then there was a great opportunity that came along when they were doing a relaunch of Los Angeles Times Magazine. So they had brought a bunch of great people out from New York. They brought Laura Zerubin on um, to be the food editor. And she tapped me and said, come do this. And I was like, "Hmm, how could I say no? (laughs) So what did that experience teach you about the food world and how did that affect what you ended up doing with Moon Juice in any way? That was a really great experience. And so I got to have a taste of what it was like to um, be part of a magazine and what the editorial process is like and really showing up for those meetings and fitting into that system. But I also got to write in each issue, um, some of them had like several articles. I think the second or third issue that came out, I actually got the cover story. Ooh. I was really into that. I was into the journalism aspect. I also got to produce shoots that I did, which I love that. And while I was um, producing the shoot, I also would do food styling and prop styling. Wow. So what was the light bulb moment that led to the creation of Moon Juice? You know, I had been this closeted health freak (laughs) that, you know, got like battered and abused in the fine dining world because I'd roll up with like a green juice. Oh my gosh. People be like, without gin in it. Yeah. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Are you on a clean? I mean, it was like, but it was, it was, it was slightly abusive. Do you Mm. know what I mean? It was not, these were very different times. There was no respect for anyone taking care of their health. That was really like for sissies. Huh. And for losers. And um, I just felt like, mm, I feel like I can help. I feel like there is a way to bridge the world of pleasure and health, which is another form of pleasure. Why can't it all just be pleasurable? Um, and I, you know, I dramatically changed my life and felt myself going off the rails. So, you know, selfishly, I also thought, let me apply myself to something that not only can I help other people and show them a better version of what I know can be pleasurable that maybe they haven't experienced before, but I need to help myself. Mm -hmm. Because if I keep showing up 
to the barbershop, I'm going to keep getting my haircut. Or if you <laughs> keep working in the pastry kitchen, you're going to keep eating. Right. Sticks of butter. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm kind of a fan of that. It happens. Raw butter, I think, is really good for you. Really? Yeah. Like ghee or just? Ghee's raw? great. I eat ghee every day. Um, and I really like raw butter. Just, when you say raw butter, just what does that mean? Um, so raw milk. So it's okay, actually raw, milk. raw, you know, it like comes straight out of the cow. And then it's I get it from these um, Amish people. It's actually, it's like not even legal. And sometimes I'll just have like a cube of raw butter. And my son loves it. And he doesn't go for it all the time. But there are times when he's like, can I have some butter? I'm like, yep, let's bring it out. And we eat it like cheese. Wow. Yeah. High five. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so what is it? about moon juice that you feel resonated with people not only then so it's been around for five, five years five years yeah. amazing as long so your son is five. Oh uh-huh. wow yeah look at you i know <laughs> you get that <laughs> with a four-year-old you I get know. that i'm gonna have a baby and start a business it'll be so all at easy. the same time Ooh, what else could be what else could i do <laughs> i know okay. but i actually like that was the real <laughs> that was the real thought that was going through my head i was like and then i'm just gonna like pop him out and strap him to me course, and like I don't need a nanny and like I don't need and I'll just like nurse and the thing and like it's juice work the register yeah and I literally did that <laughs> <laughs> but I was crying a little bit sometimes and when you say so why do you think people really like moon juice I'm like <laughs> either the it. juice was really good or like my tits were out for two <laughs> years straight and people felt bad for me and kept coming to support or something something excellent but also this moment is just so Healthy. I mean, I look at, you know, you go downtown and you have these, you know, skater bros who are going to get chia pudding at dimes. You know, there's something about putting good food in your body and the direct correlation between how it feels that that people are really understanding in this moment. I think it's just a movement. And I think that's that's how we see things happen mm-hmm. in the world. You know, when you see movements that work, whether it's artistic or political or environmental or social, um, I just think this is one of those things that needs to happen mm-hmm. in the cosmos. And now you're scaling a business. I mean, Moon yeah. Juice isn't just a couple of places in California. You're doing mail order. You're doing international. You're, I mean, how do you also get these great products and get them out to people effectively, but also find good organic ingredients that you can put into lots and lots of products? It's a real job. Mm. It's gone beyond like me nursing a kid and making you a smoothie. (laughs) Right. At the same time. Okay. So I love your cookbook. It is, who is the cookbook for and do they have to have a dehydrator and a Vitamix in order to make it? Like what's the runner, what's the workaround for this book? So you don't have to have a Vitamix. Um, I would recommend getting a bullet. Mm-hmm. And you can get a bullet for like 20 bucks or something. Um, and you don't need a dehydrator, although you can get a dehydrator for, again, like 24 bucks what? on Amazon Okay, if you want. Um, but I'm not going to be mad at you <laughs> if you put your oven on the lowest setting. And then something I used to do in the kitchen when I would do when I would braise something very low and slow and I'd want to leave it overnight was I'd put the oven on the lowest setting and then I would stick a pencil in the oven door Hmm. and just leave it open. 
a bit or stick some tongs in there. So um, play around. But you don't, you don't need to buy a bunch of fancy, expensive material. And if you wanted to get some material and you're wondering how much, I mean, get some tools and you're wondering how much that would be, mm-hmm. go for the bullet and go for the like $20 dehydrator. And that's, a, you're looking at like 50 bucks. So what was the most requested recipe that made you think, okay, I need to put together a cookbook? Like what do people always come to you and ask? People want those strawberry rose geranium bars. And now we're not going to be shipping them for a little while because hmm. they need to be shipped on ice. Oh. <laughs> we're like refrigerated when shipped and we're like, oh this is kind of crazy. Yeah, that that's the number one. And the donuts. People mm. love the donuts, the mm-hmm. chocolate chaga donuts, and they love the strawberry rose geranium bars. Chaga is a superfood mushroom, just so you know. Yes. Also weirdly delicious. And that leads me to my final question, which is a purely selfish one, of course. Um, when are you opening in New York? I know that's the question of the week. <laughs> um, so we were hot and heavy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, had like found the perfect location and had found a commissary to set up. And then these global opportunities um, really became very apparent with the moon dust. And mm. so as a business, we really had to look at that. And the fact that at this point I'm one person and did not have that person that I could just hand the keys to on the East Coast and mm-hmm. say, you've got this, you mm-hmm. taste everything. <laughs> I'm going to be coming once a month to check in. Right. And so I needed to really respond to global compliance and being able to scale and getting all of that ready. Um, New York is not abandoned. It's just not ice. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Hmm. Went, went. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings us to our speed round. Okay. Um, don't think, just react. Pretend you're back in the kitchen, I guess. Okay. That's like most of my life at this point. <laughs> don't think. Okay. Shizanda Berry or Maka? Shizandra. Palo Santo or Oud? Palo Santo. Vitamix or dehydrator? Vitamix. Linen or silk? Linen. Venice or Topanga? Venice. Hot sex milk or yam Julius? Hot sex milk. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and Crystal or Father John Misty? Crystal. Okay. <laughs> but he needs some love, Father he John does Misty. Need some love. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, can I have some of your juice, please? Yes. Carla, Elena, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. So we are talking warm, soothing drinks today that apparently are not called coffee. That's right. True. I don't don't drink coffee. What? Yeah. The black water. Yeah. You don't go there? What? Oh, you really, did you ever? I don't. I stopped probably, I did for a while, like through college intensely, like a lot. I think I overdid it and then my stomach just didn't agree with Mm, it anymore. yeah. 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 I don't have that problem. I still drink it. A lot of it. I took like an eight-year hiatus, I would say. And I was strictly a black tea drinker in the morning. And then we got the um, – it was actually my trip to Australia. I landed in Australia, and I was like, we're going to drink coffee now. And this that's was about a year ago, right? It was almost exactly a year ago. And that's the land of – what's the damn drink down there? The, the flat whites? The flat whites. But it was just how I got through the jet lag. And then when we came back, we got our new Marzocco 
espresso machine in the kitchen and I was like yeah I, I do this now. I'm back this is what I do um, so on the on the opposite spectrum of revving yourself down downshifting uh, Elena you wrote a piece for our new healthy-ish website um, that was like every day we get a little uh, a report in the morning of like the top stories and recipes and every morning it was moon milk but what the hell is moon milk yeah I didn't even mean for it to like I'm stoked that it is you know having that sort of excitement around it because it's something that I really love and it has a lot of these healing benefits to it that I think people maybe wouldn't know because it's super delicious. Um, so what is So it's this concoction that I like to make in the evenings um, and it basically has warm milk, a little bit of fat. I usually use coconut oil or ghee and then a lot of different um, super nourishing herbs, turmeric for one, which we know is like the awesome inflammation tamer, cinnamon and cardamom, which are, you know, they, they keep you a warm blooded Mm -hmm. mammal. Um, they're, you know, really good for your circulation. Ashwagandha, which is something that I think people are starting to know a little bit more about. Um, it's a adaptogenic herb that basically helps your body cope with stress. Um, and it's something that's you, you want to take it in small amounts, like over a long period of time. It's not something that's going to be like, oh my God, I'm taking it. I'm not stressed anymore. It's, and that's the thing with herbs that I think sometimes people don't understand. You know, herbalism is something that I got into maybe a few years ago. And I think it's a really empowering way of healing because you're able to, to recognize like what your body needs when and kind of prevent everyday ailments from coming on just by knowing, you know, what to take and what they're doing. But in it's your body. more, all of these things are more the way hearing you describe it. It's like, it's not a quick fix. It's a no. lifestyle yeah, type yeah, of, yeah. you know, something this you is have something to, you have to be open to. Yeah. You're not time. I would say instead of taking an Advil for a headache, it's like your baby aspirin for 20 years to have long-term effects. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah. you're taking it on the reg. Like in this, I'm looking at the recipe for moon milk and you call for a quarter teaspoon of ashwagandha, which is a tiny amount. But if yeah, you're taking that every day on the regular. Yeah, um, it, 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 your body starts to like work with it. You yeah. know, it's like we, we're, we want to be close to plants. And I think people have forgotten that it's a traditional way of Yeah. Well, I want to get to the tradition, but I also want to talk about, so the overall effect is what? Does it make you sleepy? Does it calm you? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about a cup of warm milk with butter in it. That just sounds like (laughs) you're just going to go right to bed. Well, when you say milk, are we talking about M-I-L-K or M-Y-L-K? Ooh, Ooh, I don't even, is that like, (laughs) is that like a new pop star or something? Um, No, Elena will explain the difference between milk and milk. How milk is that? How you say? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, you can use regular milk. Whole milk um, is what traditionally is used. Um, and you know, but if you're avoiding dairy, I've often make it with cashew milk or hemp milk or another almond milk is but, cool. But having some sort of fat in there is key. What is the fat? Right. Deal? So the fat is like super. I feel like people are scared of fat, but it's actually like you need. Your body um, needs fat. Yeah, your body needs it, and it kind of nourishes all of your, like, juicy insects, like your your organs and your tissues, and it's super relaxing if you, you know, take it in this way. And it also helps when combined with the milk and then you're, you know, kind of heating these herbs in it, and it, the fat and the milk help um, kind of cull the medicinal benefits mm-hmm. of all of these 
herbs. Um, so, oh, so, and it also has nutmeg, which I learned is mm. um, a natural sleep aid as well. So, yeah, and all these herbs and, and little nutmeggy sort of things date back thousands of years, but it probably was not called moon milk back then. Um, what is what is the, sort of the origin of a, of a warm milk sort of infused yeah, with these flavorings? Um, it definitely, I'm inspired a lot by Ayurveda, um, and this is something that they've been doing, uh, which it's, it's one of the oldest forms of natural healing um, and has kind of extended itself into, you know, traditional Chinese medicine and all of those kinds of Eastern medicines. Um, and we're talking thousands of years. Thousands. You know, Turmeric like, has been benefited. It's it's known to us now. I think if turmeric knew that it was going to be popular <laughs> in 2016, it would have been like, what? I've been doing this for 2,000, yeah. 3,000 years. You're, you're saying, yeah. saying turmeric's been around before the internet? Yes, that's right. That is correct. Before okay. Instagram. What? No. No, really? it's true. I know it's got that bright, great orange color. It's, it's color. just like made for social are, media. Are you trying to say that before there were turmeric lattes, there was turmeric? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, warm milk with herbs decocted in it is something that has been, you know, a, sorry, a you- sleepy time thing for like many, many, many years. And, you know, it's something that like... Wait, wait. Did you just say decocted? decocted there's infusions which are you know your traditional teas are mm-hmm. infused it's like the delicate parts of the herb for a little like more rugged plant mm-hmm. material like a root or seeds like turmeric turmeric which is yeah. root cinnamon is a bark and you know all of these kinds of like denser plant matter um need need a little more time to yeah. kind of and the fat re- the fat and the heat really do their work on that. I mean, it's a little bit like, to me, it just makes instinctual sense, even if you haven't been practicing herbalism, but think about blooming spices and oil, you know, Mm -hmm. and toasting, like when you add spice to, uh, you know, sauteed onion and olive oil, you like give them a minute to kind of Mm -hmm. bloom and the fat and the heat help that extraction, which is now a decoction. Mm -hmm. A decoction. And how long does it all, how long does the decoction have to take? For um, all the herbs and yeah, I to- I let it go for like five to ten minutes. All right, so before people get the idea that you have to go hunt and forage and gather before you can make moon milk, this is actually a real recipe. Yeah, you probably have most of the spices you, in your pantry. Yeah, and and fresh turmeric, where you know you can definitely find it if you have a good Asian market near you, Indian market as well. Um, but additionally, you can make it with ground turmeric, which you'll find in any spice yeah. aisle. But we did find, I just want to point this out, that when developing the recipe, we tried it both ways just to make sure it would be as delicious as what Elena is describing. And the ground turmeric, you know, the flavor, you get more of the mm-hmm. kind of bitter notes, a little bit more of the um, earthy notes. So that that period of letting it hang out hot is important, especially if you're using ground turmeric. Yeah. I wish I could describe the face Adam is giving me. <laughs> it is uh, incredulous sort of amusement. Well, I was just wondering, what if I had like one of those mugs that like the boss on Office Space has, like yeah. the Office coffee mug? Would it taste as good or would it not taste as good if it's like the handled mug with like best boss in the world? I think how side? it tastes is like the energy you bring to yeah, it. See, let's talk so, about energy because like, you, oh, yes. you wrote about, so I like energy. I, 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 moon milk, I mean, I love that. Like I said, I love the I want to get a moon milk t-shirt i just don't know if i'm gonna be <laughs> drinking moon milk anytime soon um but carla also um on our healthyish website behealthyish.com behealthyish.com you wrote about your love for masala chai correct which gets you revved up apparently sure does in the best way though yeah. um 
again, like mil- warm milks made with turmeric, masala chai is one of those things that's been around thousands and thousands of years probably. But um, the difference is I think that chai became a thing that was branded in a mass market way and there was a lot of bad chai out there. Yeah, well, can we talk – I've – like a lot I've, I've of. I've never drunk chai before. Oh, wow. Just because I smell. I'm always like, I, chai, I'm like, chai, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because like, you I, there's always a choice between coffee or, coffee guy, or yeah. chai. And I'm like, well, I have coffee. Or you go to like Starbucks and you're like, oh, chai oh, no, latte. But that's and I'm not, like, Ugh. Yeah. So this is the opposite of that. And I think that. What is, what is a good chai? So chai just means tea yep. in, right? So masala, ta- masala chai is spiced tea. So in India, they drink tea all day long, every day. But you would make that distinction between. Chai and masala chai. So um, it's black tea that's been um, spiced and sweetened and um, has milk in it. So how do you spice and sweeten it? Well, so that's the thing. So I think that, you know, these chai recipes, and I'm just going to use a shorthand now, everyone. Just when I say chai, I mean masala chai. So don't get all (laughs) mad at me later. To me, it is a drink that you should not buy out of a, you know, Tetra Pack or, you know, with a domed lid from Starbucks. This is something that people drink wait, at home. Wait, should it not have whipped cream on top of it? Uh, I preferably not. <laughs> it just, you know, I think that what happens is um, when you're in India, there's chai like on every street corner. Do you and mean masala chai or I do you mean chai? Well, both actually. <laughs> and you would have to say what you were ordering. But when I was there, you know, also it's being strained through all sorts of fine mesh things, including I saw many athletic socks with like really? being used as strainers for chai. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's a kind of drink. It's a little bit, you know, again, to kind of put this in terms that if people are need to make the leap, like think about drinking espresso in Italy. You don't like go and get a 20 ounce cup of it. No. You go stand at a bar, you order an espresso, you drink it. Hopefully you clang some kind of a spoon down when you're done. On the marble counter. And you're uh, on the marble counter and you're and you're out the door. In, not and, in a paper cup, but a mm-hmm. proper ceramic That's cup. That's right. A proper ceramic cup. And not some like hipster Brooklyn handmade cup, but a nice little Yeah. It's like you meant cup. to be. And that is how I think, you know, thinking about how to drink tea. So the first, but the the other thing I want to say about masala chai is like every house, every stand, every, every restaurant is going to have their own style. Yeah. And well, it's a little bit like, you know, marinara, like everybody knows what marinara is, but you could go to five different restaurants or five different homes and there will be something different. So, so, so what is Carlo yes, Lolly music I'm, style? Get, getting in there. Get, so, get us in here. Um, the chai that I make was taught to me by my friend Spiros, who is a teacher at a yoga studio. He still is, actually. And he got the recipe from a chai wala in Taos, New Mexico. So this is like a handed down from that guy to Spiros. And Spiros used to serve the chai in the yoga studio. And I it it just was the most delicious thing I ever had and I think I had only had like really crappy a bad idea of what chai is supposed to be and didn't really understand. Had you, had you not had ice cream before? No, Adam. This <laughs> is like before Jenny's. Okay, this is like but you're saying you're saying you, it's literally the most delicious thing you've ever had. Oh, all anything? it was the most delicious cup of tea I had oh, ever okay. had. All right, well that's okay. But I drink Ball tea fine. every day, so well, that yeah, was but tea's like fine. Okay, fine. It was revelatory. All right, <laughs> and. Um, did you, did it take long to pry the recipe from him? It did actually. It took a couple years. Um, this chai is made with freshly grated ginger. It usually always has ginger and cinnamon, very commonly. So it's freshly grated ginger, cinnamon, and cardamom, 
no cloves. No cloves. Yeah, explain that because in your piece you said its flavor profile was blessedly free of whole cloves. I feel why, like why are clo- what's, what's I feel like clove is the predominant spice in a lot of the prepackaged chais, and they come now not only in like liquid concentrate and the tetra pack and the thing, but also there's tea bags of like chai, and you're just supposed to you know steep those, and they always have way too much clove, and it's a very powerful and spice. Kind of bullies mm-hmm. the other spices. Yeah, and it's yeah. one that I don't mm. care for in general. Mm. So yeah, this did not have that. I could have sworn that it had black pepper in it because it was so spicy, and that was just from the, the ginger. ginger. Yeah. But sometimes I do put a little bit of of black pepper in it. So so you make the tea first, and then you put it. What's the no? Order? You actually like infuse the water first. Uh-huh. So the whole process of making this chai is like it's. It's a process. It takes, it's not like, it doesn't take three minutes of pour the hot water over and then three minutes, bang, your tea is ready. It it's is, not like moon milk, It's it's like done cook- in five to ten minutes. It's like, <laughs> it's a little bit like cooking, but that's what I like about it. It's, it's intentional and it has this payoff and it's like a thing, yeah. you know? So it's really a weekend kind of beverage, but then if we have leftovers and you get to have it on a weekday and that's like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so you grate the ginger, you smash your cinnamon stick, you put mm-hmm. that in water, simmer that. And the way that Spiros taught me was like simmer it and let it reduce until it smells gingery. And I was like, okay. But, you know, he would sort of waft his hand over the pot and and then you kind of learn like, yeah, you can smell when it's reduced enough. So then when that's like appropriately reduced and like I half, can kind like of tell half, it's like a, between a third and a half. And, and we also have an actual recipe for this. So it'll yeah. give you those visual cues. But for me, when the grated ginger starts to, um, the, when the water level goes down, the the where the ginger was originally mm-hmm. is very obvious to see the line at the top of the yeah. pot, so you can kind of eyeball it. But it will become like a like a light tan kind of color, and it does. It smells ginger. gingery. Yeah. So then at that point, you put the loose black tea, which if you don't have loose tea, just rip open some um, tea bags, but Does a strong black tea. Like I like such as what? I like to use Assam tea, okay. um, but if if not, actually PG Tips is like a great tea to use, just very strong black tea. Lipton will work, but again, this is one of those things that like, it needs to be black tea, it should be strong, don't worry about it. I like to make it with, with Assam. He always put a little bit of pu'er in his... Mm. That had like a little special magic something. Um, but I don't do that at home because okay. it's whatever. So then what? So then you put your tea in. You turn the heat down. You're not like at a boil anymore. Turn the heat down. Put the tea in. No stirring. Then the cardamom seeds, which also get like bashed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of just let that sit low heat for two or three minutes. And it becomes, you know, infused tea. And then you pour milk. And sweetener of choice, but Spiros always- Right into the pot. Not right the, not into the, the pot, okay. my friend. Yeah. Very important part so of the what, process. So what is the ratio ultimately of water to milk? I think it's more water than milk, but by the time it reduces, it's probably 50-50. Oh, interesting. But again, Spiros would add the milk until it was the right color. Yeah. And I was like, what is the right color? <laughs> Which you can relate because every time you get a nice coffee, you're like, there is a color that no, you're yeah, going yeah, for. I'm pretty particular. Yeah. It's going to be lighter at the beginning because then, so you pour in the milk and your sweetener. He called for maple syrup. I really love it with that. But you could use white sugar. You could use whatever sugar you want. You want to use agave, go to town. I thought white sugar was the devil. Um, Isn't it the devil? Yes? No? I mean. I've I've heard that. All things in moderation. Okay. Just going to say. How about raw? Elena's like, I'm no commenting on this one. (laughs) Yeah. 
Sweetener of choice. My sweetener of choice is honey. But mm. Yeah, yeah you could like totally maple. do it with honey. Yeah. I like maple. But maple maple is a much uh more forward flavor than honey does, for instance. I mean, well, I would some imagine honeys that, are very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah, I but think. not as much as maple syrup. I think maple syrup would certainly uh, I think maple, affect the flavor of the masala chai. Let's I just feel say, like it would complement it really well. Thank yeah. you. I was going to say it plays <laughs> well with the other flavors. Do you drink caffeine at all, Elena? I do matcha from time to time, okay. and I will do like a black tea. Yeah. I would do a chai. This is yeah. sounding really good. Great. Let's go it. down to the kitchen when we're done. <laughs> okay. so, you, so overall, start to finish. So then you've got your milk, uh-huh. you put your maple, and then you need to bring that mixture back up to a boil. So that's the like watching the pot. Yeah. And Spiros had a very specific thing about letting it come up almost to a boil when it's like going to overflow and then turn the heat off. Wow. Do that three times. That's not no, in the really? recipe. Yeah, three wow. times. He said it caramelized the milk and added to the flavor. So, but to me, again, it's like it's, it just became it's the ritual. It's the process. Yeah, it's yeah. like kind of became the like magic of this and the 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 process and the ritual. So, I ultimately turned his recipe into an actual actual recipe because I like that kind of thing, um, and I like weighing things too. So at home, I like always I weigh everything and I like go through the process, and um, it's just very. Um, restorative it's also totally highly caffeinated but you should drink like a two to four ounce cup of this this is where i'm just like i'm drinking eight to ten or twelve ounces of this and what about you said you give some to your boys i do yeah i'll cut theirs with more cold milk Uh like it to both cool it down and but it's just a really um it's got the spice it's got all those warming spices it's got the sweetness and it's just pleasurable and um this recipe makes four cups you make a pot of it you sit down with your friends you have chai and everybody's gonna be like oh i didn't know that mom i only ever had sucky chai and it's like right it should be like this is that's what the recipe is called not sucky chai not sucky chai um one question if you have leftovers um can can i have it iced the next day yes i have done that yeah and you endorse it Personally, yeah. yes, I do. Right, cool. I, I, and you know, Spiro had a thing about like you never stir the chai while it's going, so I do that. But it's all sort of this, and I think he would not want you to reheat it the next day. No. But I have, and and I will continue to do. But that's the thing you you make these recipes like your your traditions, you know. Make your own traditions. Yeah, make yeah. your own make your own ceramic cup, and then make your own moon milk yeah. and put it in it, and then make your own tradition. <laughs> Although I guess I think we need to have Spiros on the podcast. He's a he's a trippy dude. Um, all right, Elena Sullivan, thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Carl Lally Music, thank you. Always a pleasure. We can find both recipes at behealthyish.com, which is our URL for our new cool healthyish vertical called Healthyish Moon Milk and Masala Chai. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you soon. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.